All right, I got to get some headphones so I can hear our amazing guest who calls in every week to the Edge of Insanity. And is this, oh, they're not plugged in. Ah! Mutiny Radio listener. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We've got a phone call and I've got to work this out. Uh, but I can't hear the phone call because I'm not plugged in to anything. Uh, ah, ah, ah. Uh, uh, le- legend on the phone. Let's see if I can. Can I hear? I still can't hear anything. Why can't I hear anything? What is happening? Uh, hello, hello. All right. Yay. Hey. Is that Christine? Hey, no, Christine isn't here. None of them are here. Um, oh, okay. This is, hi, I'm Pam. Uh, How you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm doing uh, um, amazingly. You're calling in all the way from New Jersey? I'm uh, up in New York, up New- in the Catskills. Oh my gosh, in the Catskills, yeah, how out is in it? The woods. How is it? Uh, are you are you lying in place? What is it called? Sheltering well, in place? Well, yeah, we just stand out of the way, man. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, but it's funny because I'm looking out the kitchen window at this little road that goes by us here, and it's like. Uh, it's like being the last people on earth, you know. It's no traffic. Well, I know. I'm in this, in San Francisco. It's 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 absolutely, it's an absolute ghost town. Everybody is, I guess, following the instructions. Oh yeah. Of the stay inside. Are you showing any symptoms, or has anything happened to you? No, no. I don't want to tangle with this one. This is a bad boy. Uh, this is a new thing. I don't know what the hell it's all about, but it's not like any flu that we saw. So I'm just. Uh, staying out of the way like playing dodgeball yeah and you're just yeah. chilling up in the Catskills what are you getting uh, things delivered to you or how's it oh how's no it we just make a quick run we don't shop often and uh, just go in town put a little trip around a little mask thing and a glove you know and uh, stay out of you know don't breathe on people so we're we're pretty good citizens as a rule. How about you? You staying careful? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not really in in connection with I've been here. I've been going back and forth to the station from my house, but I live in the Tenderloin and nothing has changed. Like there's uh-huh. still Well, the thing is that what are they going to Oh, now tents have to be six feet apart from each other. There's like, there's no difference yeah. where I live. People are still, the exact same people are still outside and have nowhere to go. Yeah. People are, inside, yeah. there's still poop on the street. I mean, oh, the, yes. the only different thing is um, people are smiling a lot more at each other. I find so. Yeah. And I, I found, I was talking with my niece and I told her, I said, it seems people are being nicer. You got people making masks at home and making things on a 3D, uh, whatever they do yeah, digitally and all, you know. Sure. And 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 most people are really being cool about this and helpful. And I thank anybody. I got to go over and get stuff for my son at right age, you know, and stuff. And those people, everybody's taking a chance who's working in them joints, Pam. Absolutely. They're, they're putting it right up there. And so I, I hold a little mask over my face, you know. I ain't worried about it. me getting it, as I just don't want them to think they're going to get anything from me. Sure. Uh, 
yeah, I don't have any symptoms, and that's uh, that's cool. And uh, if I get them, uh, I wouldn't have much chance of getting them one of them special beds and shit. Right. Because, uh, uh, you know, I'm an old dude, and uh, that's the way it should be, you know. Well, that's a nice uh, way of you to think it. That Well, yeah, I mean, if it becomes, I get a respirator, or, you know, or some guy 49 years old who's got two kids he's trying to put through college or some shit, uh, you know, um, I'm at the 88-mile marker oh, here. Wow. What the hell? So, I mean, shit, a lot of people that sign a contract for that, uh, if they could in front say, you know, because... Uh, it's a surprise. Uh, it's a surprise to me to become. They used to say, "You ain't gonna be 21, Carl, and you asshole." <laughs> I was, I was young I and wild. Feel, I mean, I'm <laughs> young 45. Young and wild, dude. But uh, but if you get lucky, if you're if you're lucky and, and you get to be an old fart, or uh, you know, you gotta know. You gotta be sensible about shit. Well, you're. But, I'm. Uh, I'm half your age. I'm. I'm 45. I'm a little less than half your age. Oh, you're brand new. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I still feel like I'm 21. I honestly, there are oh. times when I just. Do you experience that as well? Where that'll keep you young, Pam. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> that'll keep you young because you can't help it. Uh, I haven't grown up yet. They used to say to my mother when they go to school. He's so immature, Mrs. Carlin. <laughs> he really shouldn't be with these other boys that are older than he is and shit. But it was their fault, you know. They kicked me out of second grade and then sent me to boarding school, and they wouldn't take unless you were in third grade. So but they moved you, me ahead. What did you do to get to get kicked out of school in second grade? Oh, I I call him none a son of a bitch and bastard. Wow. <laughs> oh yeah. That's they it. They didn't like that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, uh, so they so kicked I, you out of the of the Catholic grade. school, and they second grade. It was second like grade. Holy, the name of the place was Holy Child Academy, oh, which I think was kind of ironic. Sure, it was a funny place to send me because I was an asshole before I ever got to school, <laughs> and it just that just compounded. Well, okay, but it, give know. me an example. What was an asshole thing? Because I, I don't think how can a well, second here, grader like be an I'm asshole? Well, here, like I'm three and a half. Okay. Okay. And my mother has me dressed up like little Lord Fauntleroy with a Eton collar and all this bullshit. And it was when my father and my mother were together and he was making big money in 1936 when everybody else was on their ass, you know. Sure. We were and we're still living with a doorman and a fucking elevator operator and shit like this. And I'm going down on the elevator with my mother. And this nice lady pets me on the head and says, what a nice little boy. What is your name? And I looked up at her and I said, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so she says, she says, uh, uh, my mother starts to, you know, uh, cop out for me. Oh, he hears the garbage men say that and the truck drivers, you know. <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, my father says that all the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, so uh, that's what I mean about being an asshole. Well, you, it, comes, it comes natural for a lot of it us. It sounds like you had an entitled, you had an entitled youth, and I guess oh, that's yeah. just what uh, comes from that. When you have a doorman, when you're three, and everywhere you go in the rest of the world, I mean, I wonder what the kids right now are gonna, the kids that are like oh, three cool. or five. Everybody, everybody adapts. It's just a guess what life is. It's just adapting, man. Right. We left him when I was five years old, and George was like two months old. Wow. And it was a, it was the best thing that ever happened. I never looked back. 
Huh. I didn't I didn't get along with the guy, you know. Well, but did you go from being super rich to being just, poor, or what happened? Was, no, did, we you... weren't poor. My mom got a gig cool. uh, as a, uh, an executive secretary, which she had before, and she and my aunt set up the apartment, and they brought the two of us up and never missed a meal in my fucking life. That's great. Wow, yeah, that's such so, feminism at a time when, wow, that's so fucking progressive. Like, like before I say, 1940? My, that's when they insane. talk about all that empowerment and all that, my, my mother was didn't wait to be empowered. Right. My mother just was power. Sure. She was little, but she had a great opinion of herself and was not afraid to speak up and uh, and and was capable of what she did. Yeah. And so she got kicked out of Catholic school. I don't know, you know. <laughs> When uh, too much uh, bracelets and lipstick and stuff like that, and uh, they sent her to uh, Washington Irving, a public school. This is New York City. Sure. And this would be back like around. Uh, she was born in 1896, so that'd be around nine, early 1900s. Sure. You know? Wow. And, like yeah, so when stuff. she Fun when times. she uh, graduated high school, she went six months six months to uh, a little business school. She learned uh, steno and uh, typing and then she didn't go look for a gig she put an ad in the editor and publisher magazine a, a, a thing for the ad people way back then way way back and it said a position wanted executive secretary wow so yeah. progressive <laughs> she put it out there man she created her own media before yeah, there was oh, yeah. even she just she had a good opinion of herself that's great and she was very capable she could size people up Wow. Yeah, yeah, she knew, you know, she knew a lot, and uh, she stimulated George's mind and my mind yeah. with words and shit, you know. Sure. But we weren't out to be good boys, so that didn't, that part didn't work Well, for that's her. good, because being good is boring. Who wants to be <laughs> well, boring? Well, it, it was not our natural way. Sure. It was, the natural thing for me was anywhere, anytime I went to a new school or anytime I was in the service or anytime I changed job, whatever... I, I'm, I'm in with the assholes on the second day at work. <laughs> Were you in World War II? No. Okay. Korea time was our trip. Korea. You were in Korea. No, not me, man. Oh, not okay. me. No, they lied. I thought I was going to be a gunner. I joined the Air Force to be a gunner. But gunnery school had been closed for two years. The recruiting sergeant lied. That's <laughs> such a funny trip. And I don't give a shit. I had a lot of fun for four years. I had a lot of fun. Nobody shot at me. Wow. <laughs> no, I was an Air Force radar operator. Oh. I was nothing. I was a, like a PFC and an Airman Basic and a PFC and an Airman Basic and a Boop. 10 days a sergeant, court-martial, busted. But I had a lot of fun. <laughs> I had Did a you, lot of fun, Was man. it those sounds? Did you just constantly hear, boop? Uh, they were boop. caused by me having Beep. fun in town. Getting drunk and being young and wild. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess, well, it's funny now because we see the military in such a different light, and I don't oh, think yeah. that... Do you like to read? Oh, I read a lot, yeah, yeah. Well, then, do yourself a big favor, and I'm telling you, man, get a book from Amazon called Highway 23. Highway 23. Which war is it about? Garland. Patrick Garland. That's me. That's you, Patrick Garland. Yeah. You wrote a yeah. book? I wrote this book. You yeah. wrote a book? Oh my god! And it's a goofer. It's a goofer, man. It's I stole a whole lot of shit from my own life. Well, it's and, your life. And, yeah. You know, my own time in the service. 
but I made him a little bit nicer guy. So it's a uh, fiction the, book. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, what do they call it? It's almost a memoir. Right, fictional memoir. They just except I, I didn't. I, I made him like ninety percent asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun writing it, and people who read it like it. Patrick Carlin, tell us the name of the book again. I'm gonna. It's Highway Twenty Three. Highway Twenty Three, and, and that's and, a highway in Michigan that runs from Ann Arbor up the side where Michigan looks like a little mitten. Sure. Then by Saginaw Bay and all like that, and that's where we would have our fun on our off-duty time. All right. And uh, it's a nice story. It's a love story. Sweet. And uh, the favorite person, as you read this book, Pam, you will love Joan's mother. All right. Lady named Jill. And she sees the worth in... uh, she sees the worth in Joan's boyfriend. Loser, Eddie loser boyfriend. Who's in the service. <laughs> loser <laughs> asshole than boyfriend. in the frat house. 90% asshole. But she sees the good in them, you know. Yeah. And she's, a, she's been down the trail herself. And it's a lot of good mother-daughter shit in there. Cool. And, I mean, it's not just a guy's thing. It's, it's a hell of a nice story. I really like it. When, did you, I, if, when did you write this? I wrote it uh, a couple of years ago when we got back here. But we came back in 1996, and I said, I want to write a book, you yeah. know. So uh, I did that. And how, then long did if it, you, how long did it take you to write? I'm just curious because I used to write. Oh, I took my time on it, but because it just spilled out when it got time to really do it, it mm. was very easy. And I remembered things from Alaska, like the tunes we played up there. You know, because you wind up in Alaska if you have too much fun in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they send you. They send you from the worst, coldest place to somewhere. It's it's, it's cold, but I guess prettier. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you have fun there. You always have your own kind of fun no matter what they do. It's a, it's an amazing thing. Oh, hey, I agree with that. This has been yeah, the most fun it, apocalypse ever. It, it works ever. out, you know. And I'm going to put you, since you're a reader, I want to put you on another trip if, you're, if your head is really bizarre. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Uh, now, this one, that, that, that Amazon one, I don't know what that costs, maybe 15 or 20 bucks. Oh, I've got money on my PayPal. It's a regular it's book that you get yeah. to hold in your hand and keep. Yeah, I like that stuff. Yeah, I do too. I'm, but my other one I'm going to apologize for. It's the only thing I got. It's called Quinn's Bar and Grill. Quinn's Bar and Grill. And this is on Kindle. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's only $4.99, Pam. That's a steal. Oh, it is, because I'm going to tell you what's in it. There are seven different short stories in there. I love short stories. I have this one-eyed bartender in Quinn's Bar and Grill at 125th and Broadway in New York City. He hooks up with this chick from Kansas who's a hippie running a stash house. And uh, they're back, we're in the 70s. The steel ball is getting ready to swing on Quinn's Bar and Grill uh, in January 1978. And the bartender wants to get everybody together. Meanwhile, his little girlfriend, uh, Allison Wonderland. (laughs) Yeah, man. Oh, I goofed with this. I, this is definitely worth four dollars and ninety nine cents, oh, and okay. smoke a big joint before you get into <laughs> it. Uh, they smoke reefer all through this trip, and it takes place in a bar 
that, that that's just I made it up out of these other bars we hung in. It's like the Moylan where George hung out at, sure. and uh, you know Grippos and the Five Hundred Club where we hung out, because they're basically West Side bars, and uh, the people in there, every kind of people are in there. You know, it yeah. ain't just all Irish. I love it's bar everything. stories. I, I mean, I spend a lot of time in bars as well, so. Oh well, you would, you gotta get Quinn's Bar and Grill. Quinn's Bar and Grill, Kindle. Four ninety nine. Yeah, and, steel. Oh yeah, again by me, you know, Patrick. And the Patrick thing is Gar- on that Pam, yeah. that on this Quinn's Bar and Grill, I didn't know. If you're into writing and you're into reading and shit, you'll get a kick out of this. I after after Highway Twenty Three, I wrote a thing called Kien Fucking Sabe, <laughs> which it's just uh, it's just scraps and shit that I wrote, but it's all it's all goofy shit in there. But it's not like a novel. There's no story to it. It's like essays and thoughts, and sure. uh, it's it's an interesting little thing. And uh, but the, when I got to Quinn's, I had these short stories, and you can't. I said I don't want to just have a book of your bullshit. So I took it. I incorporated the short stories into my main plot. Oh, rad! Yeah, That's man. A great idea. And I got a professor, dude, who's not a real professor. He's just a guy who knows a whole lot of shit about a whole lot of different things, you know. Yeah. And he's bounced around here and there, and he's a buddy of the bartender. So the bartender lays these stories on him to read. Oh, that's great. Oh yeah. yeah so you I found put a story a in a story. It, that's great. Yeah, so they do that shit, and then all these crazy poems and shit that I've written over the years and didn't know what to do with. That's so smart. I threw some of them in there as things that Allison writes, but then early on in the story, I have poetry night in uh, in Greenwich Village, New York, which would be like Frisco's uh, North Beach. you know the uh, the yeah. gay district. We're, yeah, sure. Castro or in North Beach, there's yeah, a lot like of poets. Castro, stuff. City, yeah, okay, it would be like that. And this is this is down in Greenwich Village, and uh, and he and the girl go down there for a, a poetry thing that she wants to be in, and she writes she reads her poem. Uh, Hopelessness is not a bummer. It's just a guitar strummer. And the band cuts in, and the band is like a riff on the New York Dolls. And uh, it's a, it's just a whole very trippy thing for weird people. Yeah, hey, a way to I love poetry, and if you're working poetry into the book, that's that's a lot of fun. Oh, it's a double treat. It's yeah. a double treat, man. Yeah, and then when she's on the run, she also gets into a trip with a, a dude uh, who's you know living up the mountains, but he's not into religion. He's just a, he's a guy like a Dalai Lama, but he's strictly not into religion. And he's got a big bin there, the the secret of life bin. And if you're stupid enough to ask the meaning of the secret of life, you get a little capsule and you read it like a like a fortune cookie, and it might say life is about not getting caught. Ah. And after that's after contemplation and all. So there's a lot of humor in it, and it's they're both real good things to read. I'm I'm so glad I. Talk to you today. I was just uh, I was just reading this morning about Frank O'Hara and and the new school uh, the New York New School poets, and that he got run over by a dune buggy in on Fire Island. Isn't that wow. crazy? Like he was forty years old and he was on Fire Island partying it up, and he got hit by a dune buggy and died. And, and he died. <laughs> yeah. And he was uh, like this. He was this poet in the, in the you know, 
late fifties, early sixties. I know, but I just I just love poetry, and I'm I, that's oh, so good exciting. for you. That's yeah, right. because so cool. I got a lot of uh, uh, I got these poems, and I assign them to different poets who get up there to do their trip at this uh, Halloween poetry festival in Greenwich Village. Yeah. And uh, like one uh, one guy gets up and he says, uh, "I was sitting by the river watching last night's condoms float on their way to Madagascar or some other place remote. Oh, that's great. When I saw two turds break surface through a growing oil slick, and I thought, Jesus fucking Christ, the Hudson River's sick." <laughs> Isn't that a nice little ditty? That's great. I love it. It's accessible. It has rhyme. It's hilarious. That's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got some fucked up shit in there, man. And uh, I got, you know, I got women. I got a woman in there, and I got, she's like a militant chick. And she says, you start out your morning with a 62-ounce quick freezy, and then you eat that beef jerky and this and that. Now you're sick and you want me to pay your hotel bills. What the fuck are you, crazy? <laughs> it sounds, <laughs> like sounds Bukowski-esque, oh, your character. Like... It was a cathartic for me. Yeah. 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 Cool stuff. Oh, I could, I could recommend those two things very oh, highly yeah. to you, Everybody, Patrick Pam. Carlin, if you're listening. This is usually the edge of insanity. Uh, they're not here today, but... Patrick's still called in because he's awesome, and we've had this really fun conversation. I can't believe you're 88. You're I like, can't either. <laughs> I can't either. But you're so like, you are you belie your age with your voice and your quickness and your cleverness. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, just, like they wow. said, he's so immature. <laughs> I'm do waiting you, to grow up, man. Do you actually feel like that in your mind, though? Do you feel like oh, you're yeah. still? You're oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. Give me hope. Yeah, I guess it's where your head is at, man. Yeah. Yeah, I got a baton in the back seat of my car. <laughs> if they do road rage on me, I'll teach them some stunts. <laughs> do you uh, Do you still party? Uh, I only smoke reefer and oh, okay. shit. Okay. And, I, uh, and I, I hang out over with uh, Levon's uh, studio up here where they have bands, and not because now it's not happening, but... They have bands in and stuff, and I like musicians. I can't play a lick, but I like to listen. Sure. So it's not like really uh, a partying time, because I've been married, see, wow, we've been married about 60-something years. Ooh. Oh, yeah, so uh, I'm a home guy. Yeah, you know? sure. Yeah, yeah you're nested. What the fuck? Yeah, I, I, you know, if you got a wife, you sure as shit don't need a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> How can you have both? I mean... It's impossible I mean, to know, please one woman, let I, I alone two. I used to look at these pictures like Goodfellas, and they would have Thursday night would be girlfriend night for the guys in the, in the uh, outfit and stuff like that, you know. And uh, it's tragic, really. They had one. It was, it was, it was, uh, these, these mafia stories are beautifully done, you know. And if you're in New York City and you, you bumped into the guys here and there, you know, and, and uh, it, it, when the, the, I love the sentimentality of, like, the guy is there with his chick, and his old lady has put him, they become estranged because he's such such a ball buster. And Jerry Vale, I don't know if you know his voice, but it's a beautiful, beautiful voice. And he's singing, pretend you don't see her, my heart. Da-dee-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know? 
know? Well, it's so and easy so to be romantic movies, with a girlfriend. These, oh, they're good stuff. They're good. There's a lot of lot of tragic love affairs and shit, you know. Sure. And if you're lucky, you know, when you're young and you're bouncing around, uh, you get your heart broken and shit like that. And then you get well quick. I mean, you get well. falling in love is a lot of fun. Oh, so. yeah. But they're like, uh, it's like having a cat. Eventually, it's going to die, and you're going to have to bury it. That, yeah, yeah. The, you got to let the bodies fall where they may, yeah. and those bodies I, are going to fall you'll somewhere. See, you'll see in Highway 23, Pam, that Eddie Flynn believes the same thing I do, and he tells her, first comes lust, then comes love. See, and I, yeah. I see that even in my situation. Me and Marlene married 62 years, and uh, when I first seen her, I didn't think, oh, wow, I'd sure like to discuss nuclear physics with you. <laughs> fair. Absolutely yeah. fair. Yeah, I looked across that bar, and I said, oh, oh I want some of that. Hell yeah. <laughs> and then you go after it. And then, then lust, uh, lust settles after a while. And uh, love sets in over the years. Love, you know, When the people say I'm in love and they're young, they don't mean I'm in love. They mean I want to fuck you. Right, sure. And then that's it's, it's nice. That's good. That's where it starts. <laughs> you know. So I'm pretty realistic about a lot of shit. Isn't that funny though? Because religion says that sex is where it ends. Oh yeah. Right. Like you oh, do yeah. all oh, these yeah. things. You do yeah. all these things, and you have to do all these things in order to have the sex, as opposed well, to. Well, you, you. I'll tell you about religion. When you get to Highway 23. Eddie talks to Joan because while he's in Alaska, uh, she had a car accident just before he went and all. So she's being, and she's not going to Michigan University. She's at a Catholic place, almost like a, almost like a nunnery. And uh, he gives her a little, he tells her all about religion when he gets back from Alaska. And she understands. To me, personally, just as a person, it's a, it's the cruelest hoax that that mankind has played on himself. Oh sure, yeah. It's just bullshit. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's just fucking pure bullshit, it's man. It's that it's that we that, but we like the hoax. I think that we I like do. a they story do. and we like fantasy, and yeah. it's easier oh, for you're people. You're on it, Pam. Right? It's easier to love a fantasy or to experience a fantasy than it is like because, like you said, lust is a fantasy. Love yeah. is real, and so if you you know, it's almost like religion is a is a lust. Yeah. That you have yeah. to fulfill so that you're not scared of dying. Ah that's yeah. the whole thing with the coronavirus right now. I'm like, you know, I confront my own mortality all the time. I'm scared of dying constantly. So Good for you. This that's, whole... that's just being realistic. Yeah. Well, and I'm trying to live all my moments to like, you know, I Good. could get hit by a bus. But so now with all this corona stuff, I'm like, We could die, we could die. I'm like, Yeah, and it's the same as five minutes ago. Like all yeah. of us could die like Anything yeah. could happen. And you tell them it's not we could die. You will die. Yeah, we're all, yeah, exactly. <laughs> eventually, eventually you're going to go away, man. Right. Uh, something's going to get you. And, uh, or you're just going to unwind. you just be so goddamn old that you just, everything shuts down. Sure. And that's cool, too. But, uh, but you got to look at that. I'm, I'm, I've been very fatalistic uh, for the past few years. And we, we think about it. And, uh, not in a, a way, it's just a way that it's going to happen, you know. Yeah, yeah. When my brother died in 08, man, that was uh, that was a very heavy scene for me. 
I'd known him since he was born. Yeah. And it really tore me up. I mean, I just was really, really torn apart. But uh, he made it so nice in his will. He had stuff like rock and roll music that he wanted played. Wow. And he wanted us to wear bright colors and stuff like that. And he had everywhere that he wanted his... uh, ashes to be distributed sure he wanted some down by the bonsoir club down in greenwich village and some up in the neighborhood where he smoked his first joint and uh, some up where he was at camp when he was a kid and he won a little drama thing every summer he would win as a as in some kind of things of kids singing or telling jokes or whatever yeah and yeah and uh, so we he made his funeral uh, like a happy occasion yeah, yeah. Uh, for all of us that were distributing his ashes, man. Oh, so and cool. uh, Kelly had the ashes in the urn, and we went around, and uh, uh, we, a buddy of ours from a bar where he hung out, and we all were smoking joints, and it was just a, it was a send-off for him, like, you know, yeah, what the hell. So that's how I'd want he, to be. Uh, he was always thoughtful. Yeah. Even in death, he was thoughtful to make it a, a different thing than just standing there in a black suit. Right, and feeling sad. Yeah. He told you what to yeah. feel, he, and he, he said, feel happy. He had style. George had style, and he, you know, he never forgot that I was his bro. Hell yeah. And uh, we really enjoyed each other, and then he's gone. I talk to his spirit every day. Right on. I talk to his fucking spirit, so... And and I, my mom and all I these memories, that's all I, some guy, a famous guy said, life is just memories. Uh-huh. And one of these guys in Bartlett's book of quotations or something like that. So, so that's, that's where we, that's at. I, I believe, I believe too that, um, I don't necessarily believe in an afterlife, but I believe no. that, I believe that thought is real and that anytime you think about somebody who's dead, because they're your there. thought is re- real, then they're alive. So, yes. So any yes. remember so when you have a book and w- when I read Highway 23 you live forever in my brain and in that book and in that connection because it's and the half life of memory sort of dissipates but that's money. how we I feel like it's people are still around I Oh mean, yeah Anytime you listen to a comedy album or you watch a movie or you read a book or you listen to a podcast or you read a letter that someone wrote that your mother wrote to you in 1942 or something. Oh, yeah. You're on the money. Yeah, you're awakening that in your mind. Therefore, that person still exists. They're still around because your thoughts are real. Yes, you're right there. So this is wonderful that you have this program, Pam. Well, uh, this is this is the edge of insanity. I'm just here because it's the COVID-19, and I'm here for the Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike and Carl at 2 well, o'clock. what do you do? Well, they pre-recorded, and so I'm just going to press play at 2 o'clock. Oh, um, but what do you do, Pam? Oh, I own the station. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, this is my... That's a wonderful outlet. No, let me tell yeah. you something. Uh, I enjoy Paul because he just lets me riff, yeah. you know, and we do our thing. And uh, I'm so happy to find that you own that station because you have an outlet there for uh, uh, things that I would like to do uh, toward helping old people uh, not get dementia. Well, I mean, right. uh, I've I, I'm got a thing together where I do about two hours or so 
of tunes that are new and old both because you got old people and then you got Guatemalan caregivers there pushing their wagons around. Yeah. And so uh, right behind right behind something like Roll Out the Barrel, I might play something called uh, 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 Quien Sabe right on. by Christian Mayer, M-E-I-E-R, and he's Argentinian. Rad. But it's got that big boom, boom, that good beat, and all of that stuff. So uh, it's a it's a great program toward jogging the old minds from yesteryear to now. And all of a sudden, Stevie Wonder will jump in, doing an old thing like "Yester Me, Yester You." So I mean, it's a good and, program and idea and all. Absolutely. And music. my dream is to have that going into all the places where the old people are at. A hundred percent. Because yeah, it and, triggers uh, their memory. What would you, you call it? Like when they used to syndicate a program? Yeah, they, they still could. Hey, if you want to send, send me the music, I'll play it on Mutiny Radio. I, I think that's really exciting because if you're triggering people's memories and making them think, when we allow people to passively imbibe images all the time, it's like eating applesauce. It's just mush. And so we're not engaging our brains and not even, I think even reading out loud to people is more important than vapidly imbibing the images that TV just feeds us and or uh. Netflix or, because if you, even if even if you aren't able to read the book with your own eyes anymore, you're still hearing the words and creating pictures in your mind from those uh-huh. like bits of code, and and you're engaging your brain, and and we have to continue doing that, otherwise, what's the? It does just slip away. I, I don't know. Dementia is the scariest thing for me because I can't imagine not being able to think, you know, like, uh, <laughs> deeply uh, about things. That would be, I, I don't know. That's just a scary. I know what Pam. Pam, I know what you're saying. Dig this. This is from the other morning. I do, every morning, I do a set of 13 tunes home here. And I don't play them or anything yet because I'm waiting for just the right format here. And we were going to have some people open a place here on Easter. But, you know, that's just not going to happen. But the other morning after I played my first set, I smoked a little joint. And I came back and it was 8.40 a.m. So I said, 8.40? Hmm, that's twice 420. And I started out with, I jumped right into Brother Lee with Citizen Cope, and I followed up with AM Radio, Everclear, and I went back then to Making Thunderbirds by Bob Seger. Oh, wow. The big line moved one mile an hour so bad it really hurt. And then from that, I went to Yester Me, Yester You with Stevie Wonder. Then I went to Roll Out the Barrel by the Old Timers. Palisades Park by Freddie Cannon, and Live and Let... Oh, then I got into... uh, I slid into the Beatles with Live and Let Die by McCartney. Nobody told me there'd be days like this by Lennon. And Photograph by Ringo, Bangladesh from the live concert by George Harrison, and I ended up with Blue Jay Way. And Blue Jay Way, when I was a limo driver back around 1980, I parked up on Blue Jay Way and smoked a joint in honor of the Beatles. Yeah. Wasn't that nice? Yeah. And that's what stimulates my mind, see. While I played those things, the next thing I played was While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And that's when me and my wife and our kids, they were little then. They were like 10 and 8. And we came down from Vermont to visit my mom and aunt. And we were smoking a joint in the kitchen, playing an old Beatles cassette. 
because uh, this was, like I said, around 1975. And uh, and my mom comes in the kitchen, and we got her loaded without her knowing it, like a contact high. We blew smoke on her and all. And when she was into poetry, Pam. She was into poetry, too. And she says, oh, I didn't never knew those Beatle boys wrote such beautiful lyrics. <laughs> so Mom had a nice... Got a nice load on without knowing it, you know. That's great. And th- and those memories, that those songs would trigger those really vibrant memories. That's what they do. Yeah. See, Pam, that's, yeah. where, that's what I'm telling you. You're on the money. Yeah. Because uh, when I see that, I see the, uh, the whole trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, next time I played Happy Days or Here Again. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's and then you got you got people you never heard of. I got a freaky tune for you that will... It's called Solar... Pilgrim. Solar Pilgrim. And it's by a guy called Twain. That's all the name is, is Twain. T W A I N. And it is the dreamiest song. If you want to like. I'm going to look it up on YouTube right now. Solar Pilgrim. Oh, uh, And then yeah. we have to get your last thoughts because uh, gotta, coming up at 2 o'clock. Out of there. Is, yeah, is let's watch a full length movie. So what was that again? It was Solar. Solar Pilgrim. Pilgrim. And the dude's name is Twain, T-W-A-I-N. So think about all this shit. Yeah. And uh, keep uh, keep my home phone number here. Sweet. Uh, it's, what is it? It's 845. 845-684-5152. Rad. You just gave that over the internet. <laughs> Oh yeah. Everybody, I'm if you want to call big... Patrick Carlin and talk to him about the future or the past or songs, it sounds like yeah, you've got a... his number now. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, there amazing. you go. <laughs> I am or if you so... want to tell me to go fuck myself, I don't care. Oh no, no, <laughs> yeah, no. I, I'm sure that's what everyone's doing now, right? Thank you so much for calling. I am so glad that I was here to accept the call, and it's such an honor to speak to you. And oh, I can't wait to read your book. That's a two-way street, Pam. And we're gonna that, I'm just pilgrim. happy that uh, I met someone whose head is as fucked up as mine. Hell yeah! So yeah. that's very wonderful. And you have a beautiful time now, and we'll, I'll tell Paul all about this Thank shit. you so much. Well, we've got it. I'm going to put it on oh, the night the playlist so everyone can hear. Thank you so Sell much, Patrick Carlin. Sell books for me. <laughs> Hey, everybody, that was Patrick Carlin, uh, brother of now uh, R.I.P. George Carlin, and that was right.
Michael Spiegelman. Wow. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi. Hi. Nice to be here. Oh. San Francisco. (laughs) Around the world. Uh, We are here at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Uh, Carl is at home in New Jersey as he is a tri-state comedian. And we do this show every week. We watch a full-length movie with you. And we've done this for over four years. We have about 200 episodes. If you want, if you have some time at home, check us out. Go to pcrcollective.org, hit Podcast Archives, and look for L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That is also the name of our podcast. If you want to subscribe to our RSS feed on your podcast app. And uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube as well as L-W-A-F-L-M-Y-T on YouTube. Wait, wait, wait. That was the oof. Say it again. Uh, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T on That's Twitter. Perfect. perfect. So what – and we're also on Twitch with the same initials, and uh, we are here. We do the show Sunday, every Sunday at 2 p.m., and if we don't do it uh, on Muni Radio next week, you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or – Everything we mentioned, including our blog spot page, will tell you where we are. So hang tight. We're here. Right? Uh, kind of. We're okay. definitely doing it from Mutiny Radio next week. Oh, I'm going to come in. All right. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Carl. <laughs> now, flights are so cheap, I could come to you. Yeah, you could fly over. That would be great. Let's see. If I fly Friday the 20th and return home the 23rd and I surge. And uh, by prices that are the lowest. Yeah, how is the prices? Are it's yeah, it's doing the results right now. Hey, you know the prices are so uh, low. dollars. Have you thought about <laughs> taking an Amtrak over here? Yeah, really. Or a Greyhound. Greyhound must be really cheap. No, but a hundred and sixty dollars is Greyhound prices. Well, you should take the bus over. But in the meanwhile, we are here uh, with you live. And we are going to watch a full-length movie. Carl, what is the movie today? Today we're watching Swap Meet, 1979. Swap Meet. Swap. S-W-A-P-M-E-E-T, 1979. All right. We'll tease the channel Sicko Nothing. It's Trick, like Trick, with an L at the end, Sicko. And then the word nothing. Don't say nothing. The word nothing. That was my old nickname because I used to go to prostitutes so many times. They used uh-huh. to call me Tricko, and I never tipped. Tricko <laughs> uh, nothing, son. Trico nothing. You sleep with them. I'm sleeping. Yeah, no, I there's am, a Tricko. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, we are there. Uh, Paul Brumbaugh is around the studio. I think he's outside right now. So Go get him. Go get him. Yes, it's, it's the it's – right. uh, okay. All right. All right, Carl. Be right back. Thank you. I will entertain the audience. So right now I'm going to go to Paul's. I'm going to message Paul. Paul Brumbaugh. Time for countdown. Oh, my toothbrush system won't work when I'm going to sleep. Time for, which is the F-O, countdown. Ben. Used to be a time in Verizon where you couldn't text. At the same time you're on the phone, you couldn't browse at the same time you're on the phone. Those days are over.
Hey, Paul uh, Brumba. Okay, so I got Paul Brumba here in the hey. in the Brumba Studios here. Me and the agent uh, wing here. Uh, Paul, good to have you here. Good to be here. I, I I'm actually one of those people that can talk through a plastic bag and you can hear my voice. <laughs> yeah. You well, are you talking do. through a plastic bag right now. I am <coughs> naturally talking in my regular voice. <laughs> I am the talking Corona through bag. a plastic bag. Please, can you at least crack the seal on it so I can breathe a little bit, Mike? <laughs> oh, I can wipe it down uh, everything while we're doing this. Okay, so uh, ladies and gentlemen. He dances uh, to the beat of a different drum. Uh, Paul Brumba, that is. Brumba. Yes, good to, good to hear your voice, Carl. We have the countdown uh, king himself, the uh, maestro here. of numbers that go backwards. Will you please get a, a let's get ready to Brumba. little triangle thing i guess this is uh right here there we go let's do this thing in three two one go looks like wapi and straight right ahead oh look there's the now, old 1970s hollywood sign is it that's hollywood? right that's hollywood the <laughs> that's the old one and it's a time in which nobody cared about it like the government didn't care about it right so and people were stealing shit from it Right, and they're going to sell it at the Swapi, the original Hollywood sign uh, panel. Yeah, I have one at home. Awesome. Yeah, I have the original uh, section out with the white tape job. I think I bought it off you. Now, this guy in the back is so fat, even I laugh at him. Oh, well, he's 70s fat. Oh, it's Fay Ray. Now, this is Annie. And she is waking up at the swap meet. Carol really Whoa. <laughs> See, it's a drive-in movie yeah. theater. Oh, it's a drive-in. That's where they hold the swap meet. Jeez. And this is this is not Bud Court. So Bud Court from Harold and Claude, and of course the Bud Court Barbecue. And Blob. Oh, wait, no, he's not Bud Court. This guy is from the blob. Yeah, right, you wear the blob, and then the guy who looks like Bud Court is on this side of the company. So that's the right. thing that Why? Danny Goldman. Danny Goldman is playing Ziggy. Well, right now we're and watching Cynthia Rixon conducting uh, lingerie. Yeah, this is Annie, and she makes money by being a prostitute. Uh, Brad Pitt lives in the uh, drive-in as well, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just like uh, Annie. Oh, you mean the last movie by yeah, yeah, yeah. the one with the, the the mansion not murdered. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. So Brad Pitt, not Brad Pitt. It was the other guy. Uh, no, Brad Pitt lives in a trailer. Uh, behind a movie trailer of the drive-in. Gotcha. I forgot that part. Yeah. 
Because I remember he lived with um, uh, Mr. Famous, uh, De- um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, he had his own place too. He w- he was like a bodyguard and and uh, stunt double. Swap me. Okay, so Swap me. what we're seeing is the um, the fat fat and skinny were uh, making fun of our um, our girl heroes um, back in Japan. And her name's not jumping out at me. Susan, Nancy and Susan. Okay? Now, I had thought that a swap meet was only uh, car parties. Okay? But I was wrong about that. A swap meet is when you get together any little group of, uh, like, let's suppose you're into modding. You love modding and hobbies and stuff like that. Well, you could have a swap meet that's all those things, right? But this is really a flea market. I'm not sure why they call it swap meet. It's yeah. a flea market. Well, there's there's record swap meets, right, where, like, guys swap their what? vinyl. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I guess, yeah. there's I guess tr- model trains and all that crap. Yeah, so this is not, this feels like flea market. Flea market. Right. This, this movie should be called Flea Market. Well, maybe, uh... Should it be called National Lampoon's Flea Market? <laughs> that would work. Yeah. Right now, basically, they're complaining about the um, uh, the price to get in. You know, it's like a dollar fifty to get in, and they're like, "Let me give you a dollar." I guess it's fifty cents later. You know, they're having a big argument about it. Okay, so there's Annie and yeah. one of her Johns. Now, she's wearing the same outfit that she woke up in. Yeah. 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 Kind of low class. Low class kid. Now, in real life, she is, I don't know, is she low class? She was um, on, in um, Playboy, she posed naked for a lot of uh, magazines, Penthouse, Playboy, uh, and Suits, remember Wee Wee? Wee Wee. She's from Western Australia. She's from Perth. And she has a really cute accent, quite frankly. She was in Used Cars in 1980. You and I love that film. I, I have seen that movie. I do like that movie. Uh, I think it is not Kurt Russell. Yeah, Kurt Russell, right. He's and going to turn down. Sorry. He's looking well, for something. The joke car. here is like, can you lend me a dollar? And she's like, sure. You know where I keep it. And that's his right. excuse to get into her bra. Terrible. That's not the gypsy uh, tattoos in the 80s. Right. <laughs> this Tired. is Delvina. She's Jewish. And she is a psychic and she'll read your palm, etc., etc. So that's more of a palm swap meet. Devonina. Now, her only real claim to fame is uh, Bang the Drum Slowly. Which uh, is a baseball movie. 73. You've probably heard of that film. Yeah, I, I thought it was a war movie, and then it was like about baseball. That's right. It's about baseball. Bang the Drum Slowly makes me think of... Uh, okay, look. There is um, uh, King Didius. Oh, John Grice? Grease? Yes, John Grice. Let's get out of here. Go to the swap. From Joystick. Yeah, he's yeah. We saw that movie. He's great. 
So this is seventies John. The first ones I was it was one of the first ones I was a partner of your show on. Joysticks. Yeah. It was worth it, huh? That's a great movie. Yeah, it was good. It is a great movie. It almost is too good for your show. Well, I found uh the director, great uh Grayson Clark, he's a real oddity. Clark Grayson or whatever his name is. And he did a movie called Black Shampoo, which I can't find, but in 1983, he did Joysticks, a film with Joe Don Baker where he's on a hunt, and a film where Joe, bon, uh, Joe Don Baker is in a horror spoof called Wacko instead of Psycho. And uh, it's on YouTube. And I think it's a, a group that does their own like uh, uh, video riffing as well. But they have like a ton of collection. Next, next week, I'll, I'll find it and give the link. I was gonna, yeah. I was gonna have the movie for us, but I think like this guy, these guys have already done it, and they have a copy of the original movie, so that's fantastic. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it won't work for our show because it's kind of. I think I think they might have done it for the same purposes, so you know, but they have a copy of the movie if, uh, online, which is great. Oh, look at this! This is a real like flea market. Yeah, that's right. It really is a flea market. Uh, this is a place called um, in California. And it's called Torrance, Torrance, California. Yeah, and Torrance. And I'm just assuming it's near L.A. because of the landscape and everything. You know, there's other parts of California that's L.A. You know? Really? Yeah. Like San Francisco? There's San Francisco, and there's uh, Napa Valley, and there's Fresno, and Bakersfield, and uh, uh-huh. the rest. Oh, the valley. A lot of 70s boobs. And those are all parts of Los Angeles, right? No, they're adjacent. (laughs) Okay, Rhea Perlman, we see her every now and again, and she's stealing things. That's her big aha joke. Now, Rhea Perlman of Cheers, right? The saucy waitress? Rhea Perlman for Cheers, the saucy waitress, exactly. But she's also from Beethoven's Big Break in in 2008. Beethoven's Fifth. They finally got it right for the fifth time. That's a good uh-huh. one. Because Beethoven's Fifth. Yeah. Uh oh, psychedelic. But was the original Beethoven? It was called Beethoven. Oh, it was uh, it was called Amadeus, and it had no dogs whatsoever in it. Don't recommend Amadeus. it. Amadeus. <laughs> and then uh. No, I'm just wondering if if Beethoven's Fifth was the real Beethoven because Beethoven used to have a serious drinking problem. And uh, I don't know that how he could have made it through five. Through five now you're talking. You're you're show. not referring to the the legendary composer. You're talking about the act dog actor Be- uh, Beethoven movie. Exactly. Who had a terrible I, drinking problem? Absolutely. Right. And it, yeah, and it was really now, difficult to work with. Book. You talked to me about it before. It's called Hollywood Dogs That Drink. Hollywood Dogs That Beethoven, Drink. Beethoven. Yeah, and Fifth was prominent. Well, yeah. Well, he was just obnoxious. You know, you know. Remember in Beethoven, the scene where uh, Ch- uh, Ch- he shakes his wet uh, dog body on the, on Charles Grodin's bed. Grodin, yeah. Completely improvised. He was just drunk oh, and pissed off. Wow. At yeah, wasn't even in the script. Yeah, I That's hear that Grodin and him did not get along. Did not. They did not talk to each other. Uh, during it, they did a table read. It was super awkward. You know, because one's uh, introverted, and the other is a dog. 
so it, it was just tough, uh, drunk tough. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, you said that, like, Beethoven would be a rowdy drunk, and he would come up to you and smack your beer out of your hand, kiss your wife, stuff like that. Yeah, and you know what he would say to you? What? Ba-ba-ba-ba! <laughs> Beethoven, bitch! I'm Beethoven, bitch. What you gonna do, bro? <laughs> Okay, yeah. so we're missing so much, and I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, well, this so guy it, is it's, Carl, can I ask you, is, I know you've seen this movie at least three times. Well, so this, this time this is my third. I'm a little slower this time. Okay, well, there's no plot to this movie, right? It's just it, There is. It, there no, is there a plot. Is. Well, the first time I watched it, I remember you telling me there's no plot, but right. there is. Oh, all right. Mm. Oh, look, at the, they didn't even moon the guy. They just pan him yeah. by pan. Going down. That's right. They Can't didn't really so much. Okay, so that guy is like a bad guy. Now, you saw the red car. That's their keeper, John Greer. He's borrowing it right. from his father, but he's lying to everybody that it's his car. And the the guy we saw, the heavy, he's like a rich guy, and he's a jerk guy. So they want to get him back, and they're smearing ice cream on his car. So he's gonna go to Fat and Skinny. And tell them, look, fuck up that T-Bird for me. Not too bad, but just fuck it up. And here, I'll give you money. Now, you work for my father anyway. Look, you can see the boom mic. Did you see it? No. That. Oh, yes, it's to the right there. All right, yeah, yeah. Wow. It, it, it blends in with something. In the, I missed that. Good call, man. Well, I'll tell you, there's nothing more thrilling to go to the theater and watch a giant parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like you're there. Well, I mean, now it's like, whoa! Look at that. They're touching their faces. They're touching shit off the tables. Wow! There must be hundreds of people there. That's the way you think. All get listen to TV. By the way, audience, yes. I don't know when you're listening to this. The coronavirus is fresh and new, and it's what is it? Maybe it's the third, fifty-second. The second week it's been serious, right? Well, it's it's March down. it's March fifteenth, yeah, it's in March, and uh, it's this uh, virus had started in January, uh, uh, getting noticed in America, but start of the year. Well, I mean, yes, in January, and I remember all the open mics I went to. They were making jokes about Corona beer and get the virus, like start. Uh, leaving, you know, your pickup truck on your front lawn and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's only been about two weeks now in which the TV is like, be afraid, be very afraid. Well, I know uh, Muni Radio is a community radio station. We are international. We are stream, and our shows are available as podcasts, but we also have a community space, and we are part of San Francisco and its community. We started off as a pirate radio station during the, the Iraq war. Uh, it uh-huh. was used, which counts as community work. So we're, we're, we are here for the community, and uh, I know that there is spoken live shows here, but uh, that's off the cuff. Oh, you know what I want to do, uh, Carl, is the Mike Spiegelman Open Mic Challenge. Uh-huh. I'm going to go okay. on Facebook, and I'll say, if you do not perform at a – to accept my challenge and not perform at an open mic tonight, I will donate five dollars. To what? I don't know. Well, to the food bank would be probably the right answer. But I was gonna say Mutiny no, Radio. No, to Mutiny Radio. Well, 
Mini radio has got to stop doing shows. They can't encourage people to Says come. Says who? Says, uh, well, the mic speaking with talent says do not go to an open mic. Sad. So, uh, you know. All right. It would be nice if. Well, uh, America, I recommend that you be irresponsible. I recommend that everyone <laughs> else be irresponsible. You, you be the one guy who goes out. Cool. They're all home. Don't be that guy. I'm Callan, <laughs> not Goofus. <laughs> okay. Oh man, he's she's rubbing him down with Crisco, huh? Yeah, she's making mistakes, and he's doing. I'm a airhead, you know. <laughs> I like her. She's from Australia, like I mentioned before. She's Let's got hear a great voice. accent. Here we go. Did we? I missed it. Boom mic. Now he looks very famous to me, but the I can't find him credited anywhere. He does look like is Joe Don Baker. Face? Yeah. Nothing additional. Oh, good idea. It could be that he just resembles Jonathan Winters. Yeah. Uh, Joe Don Baker again for me. With with white side. Joe Don him. Baker. Okay, hot towel on hot. his of his uh, nasty parts or something. Naughty parts of this here intro. That's a good, a good morning. He still has the, the towel on him, I thought. That doesn't make sense, right? Right. You, you would be like, oh, someone needs to blow on this to cool it down. <laughs> so look, now, she was uh, Pet of the Year uh, for Penthouse in 1994. She was on the 25th anniversary Pet of the Year video. Huh. Uh, she started out, like, in Australia. She was a finalist in the annual bikini beauty pageant kind of thing. Really? And she I was figured, a hostess. And I figured it would be daily events. Like... Uh, You've won uh, Miss March 15, 1975. Uh, so he, it was, she was a, a hostess on a local Australian game show, too. Uh, she was Penthouse Pet of the Month in 77. She was in Penthouse in 79. Uh, named Pet of the Year in a televised pageant at the Aladdin Hotel in Vegas. She did follow-up beat pictorials. Well, she looks in, fantastic, right? I mean, she's disco dancing yeah. right now. And today, she sells jewelry. I think it's called Royal something. Um, and when you look her up on the internet today, she's still very pretty. I mean, she's obviously an older lady, but right. she's very pretty. Well, that's, and, what, that's um, what I say on, on Tinder dating. Like, when I met her, I was like, oh, my God, the pictures. You're old. Yeah. Oh but you sure God. are pretty. <laughs> so oh, she no designs jewelry. Huh. At, at a swap meet or like online? No, online. She designs jewelry. It's called Royal something. I'm sorry I don't have exactly what it is. Okay, now we're at a local bar, and right. this is Buddha. He's one of the three with John Deere, one of the gangs. And Buddha is trying to pick up girls, etc. 
you know, and it's not going so good. Now, remember, Vicky Red told Fat and Skinny to fuck up the keyboard. That's why they're there. So Luda decides, skip the mug. I'm just, skip the glass. I'm just drinking out of the mug. He can't believe it. He's giving it like, hey, buddy, check this out. That's right. They don't even show it. Fishburger showed an entire bottle of whiskey being consumed. If you go back in time and watch New Jersey public access cable video in 1989, you will see a young Mike Spiegelman drink an entire bottle. I, th- I was playing a professional doctor. Yeah, and, uh, you were playing I, a professional doctor. I drank an entire bottle of whiskey. One take. Was it whiskey? Wasn't it uh, mezcal? Uh, no, it was uh, it was iced tea and a whiskey. No, but don't say that. Oh, don't oops. give it away. <laughs> but th- this movie, they cut. Oh, they're at the drive-in, or they're at Makeout Point, or are they in a parking lot? Yeah, they're at the drive-in. Okay, at night, the swap meet is a drive-in. Showing whiskey. And she goes from car to car drinking with, you know, uh, having sex with her John. That's Let's how she makes money. She, is she supposed to be like little or a little uh, Annie Fanny? Do you remember that from Playboy magazine and the comic strip? Oh, sort of, sort of. It's the creators of Matt. It's Harvey Fine, uh, Harvey Kurtzman and Will Elder uh, doing the strip, and they've done it for decades. Uh, and it's kind of like she's kind of a young candy, piece of candy, you know, like the bag of candy chips. Oh, there goes right. the bug, and she yeah, gets into a little adventure. I mean, I love Harvey Kurtzman, and I love Will Elder, so I'll read them when I can, but, uh, yeah, they're very tight and soft like her. I don't know if they were trying to make it commercial success or not. I should ask. I have Carl in the studio, the director of Swap Meet. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Tony Swap. Tony, good to have no, you here. No, no, it's Bryce Mack. Bryce Mack, and he only has four directing credits in this movie. Oh my God! Hey, sit down, sit down, please. I'm sorry, I got your name wrong. I know we got the end. No, right. come on, please, 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 someone. Uh, yeah, here, have a seat. Uh, as you know, we have 16 people here in the studio, and we have a full studio audience tonight. So here, have a. So, uh, what made you uh, decide to? Uh, he left. I'm sorry, Carl. That bit went nowhere. Oh, that sucks. He walked out in the middle of the strip. What decade are these guys from? There's one guy with the overalls, and the other guy looks like he's in the John Cryer band. Let's dance to the disco. So basically, he's like on his fifth or sixth trip to Riviera. Oh, so he's crawling around the strip the whole time. Well, he dropped something going to fish it out, uh, pick it up. Oh, I know. He was walking around the floor like that. Da, da, da. And he's running out. Got it. Now he's back for three more pitches of beer. And Fat and Skinny just can't believe it. Now, she, one of them is Susan. I don't remember the name. 
so they swamp meet all day. So Susan and Nancy, and Nancy, you know her face. She's been on every television show in the 70s, just not, you know, only one. Right. She was in The Waltons. She was in Batlog, and she was on an episode of every TV show, but just one. You know, I remember her actually in Waltons uh, at, in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, she, she was the one who gave the coffee to John Boy. She's like, I got a uh, latte for John Boy. John yeah, Boy latte. Like, they wouldn't do lattes in the 70s. Oh, right. No, they had cappuccino. I have a cappuccino. No, so I have. here, yeah. it's fat and skinny in their van waiting for the T-Birds. Now, why do they have to wait for them? I don't know, but they do on purpose to have an accident. Oh, they want to wreck the T-Birds so they wait for the guys to get in? Right. Why not just wreck it? Well, they don't want to wreck it uh, all the way, but just enough to... Get to the story. Okay, here it comes. And boom! We got trucked. You jerks! We trucked you. Her right there. She's been in every TV show ever made in the 70s. Yeah, she's Dana Plato's friend. Just That's right. why you know her face. Well, thanks to this R-rated movie, we get to see more of her. <laughs> Just her face. <laughs> uh So Fat and Skinny are having their typical fight. And we're friends. And There's Drunk Buddha. Yeah, that is right, Drunk Buddha. I had hair like that back in the 70s. No Drunk Buddha. You have hair like that now. <laughs> Don't you? It's not as dense. Look at look how dense that Jufro is. It's like you yeah, like yeah, to go true. through that. Those yeah. tight curls that are infinite curls. Now, he, he started this year, 79, the second film. He was Hall Monitor, the evil Hall Monitor, Chris Hansel, in the cult classic Rock and Roll High School, The Ramones. He, I totally know him, too. <laughs> he was also up oh, busted Damn. the cop car. He was also Roy on the Facts of Life for five seasons. Wait, Roy. Roy. He was a male guy in Facts of Life. Well, what? he didn't deliver the mail. Well, I mean, they had George Clooney, right? He was on the show. And they had, I think, the principal in the first season. Uh-huh. And, uh, but it's Mrs. It's Mrs. Garrett and the girls. There was no boys in that, in that regular guys. Well, he played a guy named Roy for five seasons. Now, I never really watched that show seriously, so I don't know. But I liked him because in 96, he was in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh, all right. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was also in that movie, uh, Set Machine Again. Look at this tr this garage he has. How fucking cool is that? He's Who got has? It's, this is Danny DeVito's garage. Well, look. Danny DeVito has artwork on the outside. Yeah. This terrible state with this wonderful car. How old is Danny DeVito? How much will it be? He's in his 60s. <laughs> today. Right. Well, I laughed because I thought it was the age of back. So in the 70s, he was doing uh, Going South. And I right know now he's like in his twenties, right 20. here. So Taxi started in the nine in the seventies, right? So this is seventy nine. Yeah, Taxi started in the seventies. Now Leah Perlman met him before uh, any fame, by the way. Uh, huh. So 
You know what I mean? Like when somebody's like a, a midget or something, he's not a midget, excuse me, I'm sorry, Pig. You, you probably will even object to that term. But if you're like in Game of Thrones, then all of a sudden all the girls want you. No, no, no. Leah Perlman was his, <laughs> was his girlfriend before his movies. Right. And they were together for a long time. I mean, he would, you know, when he started directing, he put her in a TV set. I th- oh, no, what was his name? He had a, uh, he directed a movie, which I never saw, but it was HBO, and he did a Showtime about a parody of television show. So, mm-hmm. I like him as a director. You know, War of the Roses is a fucking great movie. You know, he's done some funny movies. They married in Sweden, too. He has done great movies, but yeah. I mean... It's almost like a different Danny DeVito, the Danny DeVito of the 70s. He was a B-movie person, and he was a B-guy. This is a far cry from Roman and Mean Spring or Sting. Those Uh, days were to come. What about, like, uh, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Uh, Okay, so that's a good example. (coughs) That was his time. It wasn't a B-movie. But it was an ensemble picture. He was he was a not a bit player, but he didn't really have much lines. He was just one of the cuckoos, right? Yeah. In the nest. Danny DeVito became a big star, okay, but but not at this time, you know. Right. Well, he's one of those enduring stars because he's kind of been in kind of generational landmark show television shows, right? Yeah. It's always sunny mm-hmm. in, in Philadelphia and Taxi are two different fucking shows. And two different, like, moves of, of television, it feels like. Yep, you know? yep. And uh, plus all those films where he was a Hollywood big star director and he directed all these, like, big name stars and then it gets shorty, he plays like a blowhard Hollywood guy. You know, he's always been in the industry. And uh, I know he has his own liquor, which I guess has something to do when you have that much money. That's that's a convenient name for it. Yeah, right. Best thing about Danny DeVito is he was born in Neptune, New Jersey. He grew up (laughs) in New Jersey. Oh, and it shows. Yeah, God bless. Now, uh, Leah Perlman grew up in, like, Brooklyn, Coney Island, Brooklyn. But uh, it's close enough. Uh, what was the last time you saw Rhea Perlman? Fuck. Um, I saw her last as the shoplifting mother in Swap Meet. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. All right, fair enough. The last thing I saw her in, I don't know, but in 2008, she was in Beethoven's Big Break. Is that what it was uh, called? Was, yeah, and I think it's like the seventh or eighth one. But she was also on episode of Wilfred. Yeah, I saw her in Hung. She was the cool as a mean mom. She says she will, even though her and Danny DeVito aren't exactly friendly, they'll never divorce him. They have their children together. They have huh. their houses together. So th- I thought they had divorced, but they <coughs> will never divorce. She says she will never divorce Danny DeVito. Um... Do I have it written down somewhere? Golden Globe Gold. In 1992, she did the made-for-TV movie, To Grandmother's House You Go, opposite Ashley and married to Olsen, 
playing the wife of Gary Van Dyke's character. The couple kidnaps the Olsen twins, hoping to cash in on Ransom before Christmas. Yeah, I think it's nudity, nudity. Yes, and it's Annie again, doing her... Hi, guys! Did we just say it was like $3.25 for Topper for this time? Now, he really likes Fudge Course. But not Fudge Course, because Fudge Course doesn't... Okay, here's Leah Perlman with her brat kids. Oh, how cool is that? Let's listen. They're selling turtles. I had that t-shirt as a kid. Darth Vader? No, it's like, I I guess so. It's a 70s kind of... I had those teeth as a kid. Me too, and that hair. And I used to yell at Swamp Music. I'd be like, I don't care. My mom's pita bread is much better than yours. Fuck me. My mom's Rhea Perlman. Now I I gotta look at babysitters. My mom's Rhea Perlman. We go out here so I can look at future babysitters. Possible babysitters. <laughs> okay, now we're getting what is every teenage sex comedy movie. Okay. He is in the makeshift Ready? dressing room. And... Hey, buddy, why don't you just skateboard your white clothes and over there and pull ah! Oh, that's hilarious. That is hilarious. Make other people feel terrible and embarrassed. John Greer, John Greer. Okay. Now, he was Napoleon Dynamite's uh, uncle. Yes, yes, the man is great, too. He's like a Danny DeVito. He's in two different comedic maloos. Three. Yeah. Maloos. Epochs. Eras. Um, he was in Lost as uh, Roger Linus, and it's funny. He plays the father of a guy who, in real life, is three years older than him. Oh, was he in flashbacks or flash forwards, or was he on the island? I never watched Lost because you had to see it from the start. Right. I have seen it. I've seen it from the start. I waited a couple of years, and then I said, screw it, and I watched it all on cable. Then mm-hmm. I watched the rest on video. Then I watched the rest on TV. And... uh there's a guy named Christian Shepherd. That's a very religious. Okay. So, and then he says, "Follow me," and they they follow the Christian Shepherd, and uh, they go to heaven. Not a good thing. Uh huh. And they say to the Jewish character, "Aren't you coming?" Nah, I'm gonna hang out here. <laughs> Just like we're well, Jewish. I've citizens. never yeah. seen Lost, but I've been Lost Waters. Oh yeah. That is a great one. And that, to me, is exciting to watch myself live in your lost. So Fat and Skinny are just being jerks. Yeah, they're screwing up Booby McBoob's uh, swap meet gimmick. Now, you see her face? Yes. Isn't it? Does she look? Oh, all the turtles with the real live turtles. Oh, they knocked down the table. Oh, Oh, shots fired. Like they're pulling out their phones. So fat. They're terrible. Okay, t- this is a very famous actor named Mark Lawrence, and he always plays the mobster, um, underworld types, you know? Right. Now, his daughter is named Tony Lawrence, 
uh, and he was married to Billy Bob Thornton, the ex-father-in-law of Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, so this guy is You know his hard. face, right? Billy Bob Thornton's face? No, uh, his name is Mark Lawrence, Mark the guy Lawrence. on the left there. Let's, let me see if we can pick up any audio. Yeah, I've seen him around. Hey, buddy. Right, Get out of here. Kind of he's in charge of the swap meet. And we don't. The guy who's not Bud Cort is yeah. secretly his son. Oh, he doesn't let the other swap meeters know. This guy's his checking name her is Ziggy. out. Annie, over here. Annie, it's me, Mike. Never. Annie, come get my gun. <laughs> you went with that instead of the sun will come out? <laughs> yeah, I went yeah. with that instead of the sun will come out tomorrow. Okay, listen, this Mark Lawrence, the gangster guy, he was in Star Trek Next Generation, and he was in uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, so he's my Star Trek hero. Wow, he was in both same character or probably different no di- different, different characters. I mean, it's well, it's ten years difference, uh, so you wouldn't have remembered. Okay, there's Annie trying to come on to Ziggy. It's like you know, you're so handsome. You're much hand- more handsome than Bud Cort. <laughs> For the last time, I'm not Bud Cort. And and uh, Ziggy is just not falling for it. You know, even though like he's always aloof and playing it cool. Now look, watch. Annie will try to be sexy. Look, I'm so sexy. And Bud Court, not Bud Court, will fall for it, right? Gotcha. Now, not Bud Court was um, the guy in Young Frankenstein in the opening scene. Isn't your grandfather's work, blah, blah, blah? Oh, I'll have to receive that one. Oh, he plays with a metal tools to do this. Do you remember when he took a scalpel and he stabbed his father yeah. by mistake? Oh, that My was him. My grandfather's work was doo-doo. Sir, like I've been looking at your actor's resume, and you seem to have some great uh, acting uh, work. Well, thank you. I was in uh, Brooks's uh, Young Frankenstein. Yes, yes, and also Tony Anderson's Swap Me. Total? No, no. <laughs> but, uh, yes, sir, but I know. But I'd rather talk about Mel Brooks's. Now, when you were in Swap Me, uh, was that now during the actual Mack, hours? By the way. What's that? Bryce Mac is the director. Bryce Mac. Bright Mac. Well, yeah. Bryce. Bryce. He's a bright guy named Mac. B R I C E. You ever blow into a condom? It shit smells. I never have. Yeah. Well, it, it helps if it's a clean condom. Oh, oh, oh. That's the difference. Yes. Now, uh, not Bud Court was also in Mash. Really? Wasn't real Bud Corn also in MASH? Uh, I don't think so. It was Captain Murhart in MASH, 1970. Uh, he was in Where the Buffalo Roams, 1980. A lot of people don't know that, but it was a Bill Murray movie that I yeah, loved. I've seen it. And it's it was a, it's about a Peter the famous Boyle movie. Office. Peter Boyle movie that I love. Yeah, Peter Boyle was, Peter Boyle uh, was great in that. Yeah, he was lawyer. the best part in that movie. The lawyer. And uh, we're talking about um, – what's his – what's the author's name? 
1930s, wrote for Rolling Stone, lost his drive. Fear and loathing in Las Vegas died. Right. His name is uh, Beverly Cleary. No, yeah, I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of Anne Rice. Danielle Still, Hunter S. Thompson. Thompson, Hunter Yay. S. Thompson, right, thank you. Um, Danny Goldman was also in Beware the Bob with Gene Watts, and Linda Lovelace for president with real Linda Lovelace. Which we watched. Yeah. Well, but the, he's most, not just most famous for, but he's the biggest thing in his career in eight Eight-year run. He was the voice of Brainsmurf in Hanna-Barbera's Hannah. Wait a minute. Why didn't you tell me beforehand? I would have uh, totally – who? who uh, uh, Jufro or Old Man? Uh, um, no, it, it's um, not not uh, Bud Cord. Oh, not Bud Cord. Yeah, yeah. And not Bud Cord is this guy right here, right? No, no this guy – Is Buddha. Is – that Jufro well, is driving me crazy. I can't focus on anything else. That is Buddha. Yes. And but not Bud Kurt wasn't even in that scene. But uh, Mark Lawrence was also in The Man with the Golden Gun. Um, oh, check this out. That guy, the uh, the former father-in-law of Billy Bob Thornton. Just check this out. Okay. He was really literally friends with the legendary mob voice, mob boss Lucky. Huh. And he would visit him in Italy, you know, because he, he got deported when he was he got out of prison for prostitution. But whenever Lawrence would go see him, Lucky would always ask him, talk in, you know, exaggerated lyric accent. Uh-huh. Because Luciano missed New York, and New oh, Yorkers dude. hearing his accent would make him feel great. So um, Mark Lawrence was in front of the Un-American Activities Committee, and like a pussy, and he gave he away did? all these names. That he Bob named names. Boo! I wouldn't. I would have yeah, big swapped if things. I know there was a fucking trade gap. That's right. Turncoat. A lot of good okay, socialist now, brothers who write movie screenplays lost jobs because of you. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I would throw shit off a truck at him. Really, a worthy cause. So this is just, you know, like you say there's no plot, but there is, and lots of it has to do with the rivalry between the gang and Fat and Skinny. Now, can you, uh... So wait, watch what happens. All right. T-Burn! Oh, no, no, not the T-Burn. My 70s truck. My empties. Look I at littered, that litter. I littered. Total 70s littering right there. Oh, they totaled the T-Burn, yeah. and we didn't get to see it. Cheap bastards. That's right. Well, you saw them swinging out of there. That doesn't <laughs> count. I need to see a fucking T-bird, whether it's stock footage or not, crash down a hill. Right. Now, I just now, just this afternoon, finished the shoot of Waterman. In which did? Totally did that. Totally. He's supposed to go into the toilet, well up all this water to make a huge explosion. And we just totally trick, trick, trick it. <laughs> Great. Well, that's what I want to see. That's the money shot. That's where my money goes. I mean, that's what I'm paying <laughs> to see. Now, look, after their accident, what do they do? They go, go to, to a bar. Uh, yeah, I know. They smell like fish. He literally pulled a fish out of his shirt. Yeah. I would not serve that table. 
Table seven is yours, Carl. I'm not going near there. Those guys just went crazy. They're not gonna tip. Hi, table and, uh, seven. My name is Mike. Uh, oh, so she works at the bar? No. She's wearing her swap meet clothes. Oh, I guess they all are. So. Well, I mean, uh, Susan's wearing very uh, gingham-y looking. I don't know. I. Nancy's really just got her boobs out, right? Because that's yeah. the kind of shirt in which you ex accentuate your boobs. Uh, Deborah Richard is Susan, and she's just locked in these boobs, okay? Uh -huh. But They're most all she's the second wife of this police officer, Andy Renko, on Kill Street 3. And, yeah. yeah. You know what that van was missing? Crappy do. Or Scooby Dub. So it was all about Hill Street Blues. Her and her uh, husband were always on Hill, Hill Street, Street Blues. Blues. Uh, Hill yeah. Street Blues. It's time for Hill Street Blues. I Be love the theme song. Be careful out there. Be careful out there. You're okay, watching. So I, I want to do a new uh, segment to our show uh -huh. called Shout Out to a Listener. And I've chosen this week's shout out to Jill Duncan. Shout out Jill to Gil Duncan. Duncan is a listener, and she truly appreciates Hollywood Dogs with Drinks. So keep listening. Jill, Jill. She wished us yeah. good health with coronavirus. She wished us good health. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks very much, Jill. Yeah. And uh, everyone, of course, be safe. And uh, Mutiny Radio is available anywhere you are. So if you don't, you're home, you should listen to Mutiny Radio. We uh, do have a Venmo donation account at Mutiny Radio. Donate some money, but check out, we have a huge archive. As you know, Carl and I did, Carl flew over here for the uh, 5th Annual yeah. Radio Comedy Festival, and there's over 40 shows available right now if you go to mutinyradio.fm. You know, there's starcollective.org, and we have a huge list of uh, shows to download and listen to. Yeah. So, uh, you know, check it out. And, uh, it was a fun time. It yeah. was a great contest. Uh, we're going to actually uh, play festival. some. There was two shows that were not part of uh, our feed, and we're going to play them later, probably in April. Uh, so we have some special new shows that uh, the live audience and comedians, and uh, you'll get to hear it. So, uh, uh, but probably next month. Probably next month. Okay, so now they go to Javina, and they're like, Javina, you're a psychic. Tell us where our bad guy's car is. Because we're not jerks who are going to screw up his car, but what we will do is kidnap it and tell him, you fixed the T-Bird back to the way it used to be, and we'll give you your car back. That T-Bird is wrecked. So, I mean, you must yeah. be like, the sun at the swap meet must have been on your head for several hours when you came over to get a piece of that. Oh, there's Danny DeVito playing, playing, playing the Right. That's the big joke. He's sensitive. Oh, he was an organ grinder once. Likes the sound of that <laughs> now, look, Rhea Perlman went to see this play uh, called The Grinch's Bride um, in 71, and it featured DeVito, and she just loved him. He played silly little man. He played the little guy on the cakes. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's very good. The Grinch's Bride. He was already drunk. Yeah, he right. Born drunk. He was. He, uh, she discovered him in the fifth act. Two weeks after meeting, they moved in together, and they were married in 82. 
So you're saying that they hate kids. each other, or they don't? They're separated, basically. They're never going to. I have divorced. no idea. I would not call it hating each other because I just don't know that. I just know that they were married in a unit together for twenty something years, right. and nowadays, today, like she says, she'll never divorce them. But they're not. See, I thought like I thought they divorced like maybe seven years ago. So I, I well, don't let know. Me look it up. Because I've always I love his fucking gallery. It's these homemade pictures of Einstein outside. Yeah. Yeah. That's Danny classic. DeVito did four. Uh, Rhea Perlman says she'll never divorce. Wow. That's Danny DeVito. Even what after for? Swami. We do this separately. We see each other a lot, too. You know what it is? She said, listen, we made swap meet together, so we could survive anything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We made Ma- uh, Matilda. Remember that movie, Matilda? Yeah, and that became a Broadway musical smash, and he probably made more money off of that than any of his shit. You know, like, uh, it's a good movie. He's a good director. It's, he uh, has this kind fact, of, like, Perlman, yeah. He is a good director, absolutely. Uh, it says, in fact, Perlman said her relationship with the Dumbo actor is better than it was for the last five years. Now that they live separately, they live apart and see oh. each other a lot. He was in Dumbo, right? That's what she said? Because I saw that. I guess so. Timothy, uh, Tim- Timothy Burton. Yeah, right, because it was Michael Keaton and Danny DeVito from Batman Returns as the same uh-huh. director. And this time they were in Dumbo. You know what I like? I like Disney movies that they remake old Disney stuff like Dumbo or uh, Christopher Robin, Disney's Christopher Robin. Right. And they have the British and then scene where they're World War One vets. And they usually do the flashbacks during the opening credits and they'll have like a very stylized them in the trenches and fighting. And, you know, then they come home. And I know like Colin Farrell like lost an arm and he's now part of Dumbo's world. But it's like that war was terrible. You know, you can sugarcoat yeah. anything in a Disney movie, but the opening yep. credits, you know, show some respect. I mean, it's not like, oh, there's one moment he was in the trenches, and then he's now he's back. You know? Yeah, everything's nice. Yeah. That mo- that war was, you're right, it was just horrific. It was the worst ever, and everyone was shell-shocked. And listen, that we renamed it World War One. I think right. you know we renamed it. It was it was called the Great War or the War to End All Wars. War to end but all we wars. renamed it World War One when we won. Well, you We're know, such a bragging nation. Right. Well, no, they looked at Saturday's Returns and they said, "Do you look at this box office? We got to make a sequel." <laughs> Greenlight it. Yeah, right. Greenlight a sequel. That was the World War we won, so we called it World War One. Right. I would have called World War Two like World War One again. Well, the camp, we're the, killing it. The promotion was fantastic. Posters everywhere. Coming soon. WW Two. It's like, what's WW Two? Is that like a Fast and the Furious sequel? Yeah. Coming soon. WW Two. <laughs> Lots of plot twists. We're bringing characters back. We're bringing get right. We're, we're going to recreate some moments. We're going to open the field a bit. I guess Hitler was a bit player in WW1. Right, he was part of the prequel of WW2. He was only there in World War I instead of two. So So now they have stolen his car. 
So the guy comes to pick up his car, and he goes, I'm going to do a great job on your car. Soon as I find it. <laughs> He's like, what? Now, there's a ransom note. The ransom note? Well, this car's right there, right behind him, right? No, it's a different... No, that's the keeper. Oh, I see. Now, would you recommend Remember this... Remember that he was smearing the ice cream on his windshield? Right, that fucker. Now, yeah, I, I'm not going to ask you whether or not you would recommend this movie, but would you, re if you, I was a Danny DeVito completist, I would have to, right. you would recommend Swap Me on that alone. No. No, no, no. No, you wouldn't. It's not essential No, well, viewing. Danny DeVito's part in this is not anything good. It's, he does, oh, you know what's really funny? He says, I will send this car, they will make a part for it special, I will send it to Neptune, New Jersey. And so I was like, yeah, that's great. He's referencing where he grew up. He said Neptune, New Jersey? Yeah. Ooh. You know, that means you made it in Hollywood if you were able to outlive your hometown. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, now this is the car uh, that they stole. And now they're, there's a surprise. They're at Buddha's family farm or something. And there's all these kids that are part of, oh, we got one. Look how happy wow. Greer is. So not only uh, is Greer was, yeah. uh, he was also an astronaut farmer. He was in The Rundown. He was in Get Shorty. So he must have been a grown-up, like an older man in all these movies, right? In, uh, yeah, the rundown, this was his second like movie ever. Yeah. Video, video, was his first character ever. Uh, joystick, joystick was his first movie. Really? I thought he was like, oh, I thought he was like a seven. Well, he's in this seven movie. Oh yeah, of course he was. So no, this joystick can't be his. No, he was in. This I guess movie maybe that's his it. first movie of note. Yeah, I mean maybe like. Well, he got credits in this one. I love how this. Now, did, go ahead, Carl. He did two years on the TV show Martin. Uh, Martin. Sean McDermott is the name of the character. I love this film called Ed and Dead Mother. Oh, yeah. That was Steve Buscemi, right? Right. Steve Buscemi. Now, I don't – he might have been the sales – you remember that slick salesperson who kept selling uh, Steve Buscemi life? Oh, and I, I never saw the movie. I know it's on YouTube. Like the junk. Oh, you didn't see it. No, oh, yeah, it's on yeah, YouTube, yeah. Carl. Okay. I won't ruin it for you because you should see it. It's fun. The only other fun thing about him, he was in uh, an Alice in Chains video. That's Rooster. Do you know that song? Uh, one. How many? I do not know. I know a couple Alice in Chains songs, but not one. The rooster is one of their huge, huge songs. The rooster, the rooster crows like this. Oh. You really don't know it? Is there a Once there was a rooster. Yeah, I love all that grunge shit. Once there was a rooster. <laughs> Parents made him fart. Hold. Is that the... Uh, uh, no, the rooster's a very famous Alice in Chains song. It's, uh... Okay, listen, listen, listen. I know uh, you know. It goes, hey, here comes the rooster. 
know he ain't gonna die. You really don't know it. Well, I mean, if you tell me there's a rooster, I'm gonna be like, what's his mortality rate right now? Is he gonna die? <laughs> no, second verse. No, he's not gonna die. Relax. Let me get a keep You know going. he ain't gonna die. That's because we eat chicken, motherfucker. No. I need a rooster. Wake me up. Wow, this movie has it all. I was going to say, like, not only did we pay good money to go to a drive-in to see a movie about a drive-in, we also right. get to see a swamp meet and a fucking petting zoo. And check it right. out. These teenagers are petting each other at the zoo, yeah. too. And the They're kids are watching them. They're literally rolling in the hay. They are literally rolling in the hay. Now, now the director of this movie started as a background singer for Disney in the 40s and 50s. He did... Um, he did Peter Pan. He did Lady and the Tramp. He did Alice in Wonderland. Um, uh, all available and then on for Disney, Disney Plus. He started to write. Uh, you know, Mike. Um, yeah. With Disney, he did some quality films, and he wrote for some quality films. But on his own, as a director. He did a live-action horror film, Jennifer. What do you mean, live-action? What, what do you mean, Jennifer? Is it like the, mini, the, the demonic possession of Jennifer? Yeah, 1978, live-action horror film, Jennifer, and it was written by the same guy who wrote this movie. He did Rooster, coincidentally, called Rooster, the Bird of Death, 83. <laughs> Cockadoodle death. Yeah. He did Half a House in 79. He did four movies. He directed four movies, and they were all terrible. You know you know who did the second half of House? It was Dexter Fletcher who directed that movie. Dexter. He was the one who directed the Bohemian Rhapsody when they kicked the director off, the original director off. Oh, oh. So you said he directed a movie called Half a House. I said Dexter Fletcher directed the rest of it. Dossie, Pam. Thank you, Pam. I don't know if you can hear it through my plastic bag over the microphone, but I got Pam on that one. Ah. Yeah. Now, he's the father of an Academy Award winning visual effects supervisor kind of guy. And, you know, it's sort of eclipsed his fame, I guess. But, I mean, his background work in the 50s is the impressive thing. He was part of the animation team for Disney. Wow. So he must have just been like, shit, we live in this neighborhood. Let's shoot a movie. <laughs> yeah. Where? At the drive-in. Oh, you mean the flea market? It's not a flea market. Well, no, the thing is, it's like you want to get people to come to the drive-in at night. So they're there during the day for the swap yeah, meet. But yeah. how do you get them back at the drive-in? You make a movie called Swap Meet. And they're like, shit, uh, yeah, I love that. I Let's go. It. And it's like Wasn't I, eight hours of swap meet enough. We're gonna do another. <laughs> Let's go watch seventy-eight more minutes. Okay, now here we have the slightest bit of hilarity. Okay. And this show, this movie hasn't been very funny, but here we have the slightest bit. They are drunk, 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 and for some reason they want to drive the car to the swap meet. Now, what they're doing is they've arranged a swap. They're going to give him his car back for his perfectly repaired T-Bird, okay? All right. So they're going to start driving it, 
Look at the old style beer can. I know, that's what I'm looking at. Where did he put the tap? Lots of times they duck, they drop it in the beer can again. Yeah, but doesn't like did anyone get hit it down their throat? That was a big beer to them. And that that sounds legit. Well, I had two big fears in the growing up in the seventies. One, I would swallow the beer tablet of my beer when I dropped it in right. there. And two, Billy the kid would ra uh, rope me and make me uh, eat a bunch of Twinkies, and then I would get arrested <laughs> by Spider-Man. All the things I wanted to avoid yeah. in the seventies. Now, in order to protect the car, they they left the cover on, and Buddha is telling them, <laughs> "Make a left, take a make a right." So this is one of the only funny hilarity scenes of truck driving. Yeah, the only two things were scaring me in the seventies. The first one was uh, what was that movie? Uh, not giving you a hoot. Said, no, the, you said there's two. Oh yeah, swallowing the yeah the beer tab. tab of the beer. Okay, two things scared me in the seventies. One was swallowing that beer tab. You know, when I would drop it back into my beer. Second one was my mother's bush. It was out of control. <laughs> Flip that thing, ma. The eighties oh. is coming. <laughs> yeah, the eighties. It was. Oh, so there was. Uh, it was different in the eighties, is what you're saying? Yeah, in the eighties, uh, people started to get reasonable with their bushes. Right. So this was written by a guy named Steve Krantz, and he only wrote three things. One is this plot movie. The other thing is. Jennifer, right, the horror which was, movie, right, directed by the same director, so Very maybe scary. that's why he was part of this. And lastly, there was something called Scooby in 1977. That sounds familiar. I'm not. Let me just look that up. Uh, you sure he didn't write Adaption by Nicolas Cage? Uh, I am sure. Scooby. Where did that car go? 19. Oh, the E.T. Cargo? Scooby. 1977. Why does it keep saying U4? Here's They're still driving. Something's wrong with my keyboard. Alright, well, you know, we can move on. Nope, it's just a horrible, scary-looking movie. Not even something I recommend. Wow, something's really wrong with my keyboard because the letter U is is the number four. <laughs> <laughs> are they even close? Yeah, they are close. No, not even. They're used by the seven and the eight. They could be used zero. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to try to figure out why. You bought a you bought a used uh, Christmas keyboard, right, Noel? <laughs> Noel. Noel. My goodness. What kind of name is that? No L. It's got two L's in the middle. Fucking French. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I am right. are hiding in plain sight. My name is No L. But the two L's. Hiding in plain sight. Do you remember there was like a comic strip? Like it was like Frank and Ernest. And uh, one of the Frank and Ernest panels, him singing the alphabet, the entire alphabet in the panel, except for the letter L. That was my Christmas carol, Noel. I thought, man, <laughs> you just, that's a day's work for you. You fucking knocked that daily comic strip <laughs> out. I'm going to write the alphabet. I'm going to write 25 letters of the alphabet in the first panel, and then I'm going to 
punch my in a second, and I'll sign it, <laughs> and my shit's in ink it, and call it, and go to the golf course. I'm sorry, this movie must be really good. Uh, well, okay, so Annie is now confessing her love for Not Bud Cord, and Not Bud Cord And she is going to confess her love. And now she is getting a blowjob. And they're going to get married, and he's going to insist to become a partner at the swamp meeting. Now, right in the middle of Tuesday, right. uh, the girls show up. And oh, she's I like, not it. now, girls. Go away. And she goes, yes, but it's an opportunity to make money. She goes, Annie, come on. They're serious. You know, and he, oh, they know Annie's there? That's pretty she odd. gets mad, and Annie bites his dick. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. You can turn it up. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, now, not Bud Court is having a protest. He's going on strike. He's not letting anyone into the swamp meeting at what? all. Worst Saturday afternoon ever. Yeah, here comes Mark Lawrence. Listen, right. the ghost of Lucy La uh, Lucky, uh, uh, Lucy Lucky Luciano wants to speak with you personally. That's right. I'm going to turn you into the House on american Activities <laughs> after they pressure me. I'm going to bury your body in Joe McCarthy's backyard. Too soon? Not for me. <laughs> I live with it every day. Hey, you. So, now Biggie's making his demand. You know, like, they're the biggest swap meet ever, which is Seabird and the other ripoff, a two show or whatever, is going to happen. It's going to go down here at your swap meet. I'm going to make you famous. I'm getting married. I want more money. I want to be a partner. And we don't understand why he says okay. But he does. We're going to find out it's because he's his son, really. Then the movie go Then it's the movie ends. Uh, no, that's not the big revelation. Okay, here he's talking to Fat and Skinny, and, you know, there is a plot. Um, hey, Carl, do they have names before we continue with this movie? I don't Skinny. remember that. All right. All right. Go ahead, turn them on. Turn it on. Let's do it. Is it up? I can't hear anything. It's scratchy when I can get it. Oh, okay. We're having a little audio difficulties. I mean, maybe they have real names, but are there really ever anything but Fat and Skinny? Like, he has a crazy fucking style. He just keeps having it. <laughs> well, his style is like a dry... Okay, so now, and he's like, I'm getting married. He goes, I have big news. Can you guess? And 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 Boone uh, is like, uh, you're pregnant. He goes, no, I'm getting married. He's like, I I was right. Look, see the skateboarder? He goes, yeah. he's going to get hurt, as if he predicted it. He's like, he always has accidents. Oh, 
Jeez, what a bummer. What's yeah, weird really... in this movie is, like, half the jokes are she's a bullshitter, and then the other, not half, of they're not jokes, but the other side is when she really has her amazing power. So she which was, is it? She was banned from the skate park, I think. Like, she would show up and be like, uh-uh, I'm not going on that half pipe. Not with fucking <laughs> fortune tellers in it there. Damn porter. Was she, uh... She's uh, stealing more stuff, and... An American House Committee guy <laughs> continues to try to catch her. He's going to have a case of mistaken identity. Well, Hello. laugh, laugh. Hello, laugh. operator. Yeah, operator, this is Mark Lawrence. Get me Lucy, Lucky Luciano. That, or I'll call you in on the House of Un-American Committee. Yeah. Connecting. <laughs> Good one. Oh, she stole the crystal. Stolen, ball. stolen. Let me look at your left. They are misshapen. You know why she didn't predict it? She took the crystal. Look, he goes like, "I've been watching you all day. I caught you." She goes, "What?" That's where Ferris Bueller's Day Off got that joke. not Bud Court Radio. I'm not Bud Court. Holding not court here on like serious FM show. <laughs> I'm gonna take some calls. Yeah, Bud, I love you in electric dream. What? I'm not that was Bud not court. an electric dream. Uh, why didn't you use your name and heat? Because not I wasn't Bud Court and heat. That's why I was in the credits. You weren't, you were not Bud Court, uh, who, who was in MASH, who was in Young Frankenstein? I was I in MASH. I was in MASH! <laughs> and Frankenstein. Luke, that's oh, me, I like, did. I found, Mom, Mom, I found a Mad Magazine paperback. They take the comic and they cram it into a paperback, and it looks like I'm reading a book. Okay, look, now obnoxious boy gets the pie in the face. Pizza pie. They were gonna save that for the Pizza Boys original. It's the worst Aww. porno ever. Nothing what I expected. <laughs> Okay, now, Mr. Cool shows up to Genevieve and he's like, do you have a vehicle? There's only this, like, I only have my vehicle. Give me the keys to it. You can't just take my tow truck, it's my livelihood. So now it's sort of going to be an act three race to the swap meet. Swap uh, In order to, yeah. 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 Yes. And so is Rhea Perlman. Oh, well, she took the crystal ball and left. Who, who yeah. saw that coming? That's not the look of uh, All right, now, Fat and Skinny are going to fuck with uh, our heroes as they head towards the race. Did I ever tell you I went to a fortune teller? No. Yeah, and uh, I don't, I think it was a temp. Because, like, she took out the cards, and she started putting them in, like, seven rows. And I mm -hmm. said, uh, what is my tarot card? She said, oh, uh, I'm just a temp. I'm playing solitaire. 
now, um, not Hudcord is up on the top of the double decker bus right. and is like, "This is the greatest day. We're gonna have the greatest spot ever, and it's the Seabird for the Peugeot. I think it's a Peugeot. So now they've cut slits so they can see. Are they sobered up by now? Yeah, that's right. And King Vidyat is driving, and they're encouraging him. Drive faster, faster. <laughs> We're late for our audition for Slapshot. Right. Breaking away. Kilo's breaking away. Whoa, whoa. Spot me. Please just stay Oh, breaking away. The, um, that was the, the bicycle one. Yeah. Really enjoyed that scene. Is he in the theater? No, maybe. I'm not sure. I did. Ray. Gosh, where's that car? There's nothing to look at. It's a swamp. Nobody oh, the father that. in um, 16 Candles was in that breaking away. Right, all movies. He was in one of our films, I think, and that's why I know him. He was in The Foreplay, right? Yeah, he was, and he was also in A Strange Brew, because that's a time stab. Very hard to miss. Ho hold on one second. I'll be right back. All right. Sounds good. I'm going to check out the finale as they dr uh, drive the car really fast on being chased by a tow truck. Will they make it to Swamp Meet in time? My my wife interrupted me just to say there's no foreplay in the movie that you guys watched. Yeah, we go right to it. We go right to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad she's paying attention. It's the longest car ride ever, and it's a novelty at other races. Yeah, it's unrealistically long, and everyone's sitting there waiting for them. Right. And um, well, no, no. One person is standing there waiting, and the rest of the swap meet is just staring at the car. 